Welcome to the CrossFit Engage podcast. Our goal is to share with you the success stories of our community and how they're living longer, healthier, and happier lives. Here we go. I am here with the infamous 6AMer, probably arguably one of the most resilient 6AMers that we've got, Miss Kelly Hurst. Well, hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Good, good. Uh, so, Kelly, obviously, you know, kind of the goal here is we want to get to know you a little bit better for those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet. Kelly is the 6 a.m. sweetheart, probably the only sweetheart we've got in the 6 a.m. class. Uh, you've been here for, this is going on your fourth year. Yes. So, three and a half years, November will be four years right here. Crazy. Crazy how time flies when you're having fun. Um, and I don't know if you have kept a running log on this or not, but we're also, you're a veteran here. You're approaching about 800 classes. You're getting close to 800 classes in attendance. Really? I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh-uh. I knew I hit the 750. I was super excited about it, but I didn't know where I was from there. So yeah. 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 So we, and, and for our members, we do something that we call the committed club. So basically you have, uh, 16 classes a month is the requirement to get in. And then every uh, quarter, we actually announce milestones that you've reached. So we do like 100 classes, 300, 500, 750. And then we've got the the lofty goal of the 1,000-wide <laughs> club, which we actually have uh, two that have graduated into that already. And Kelly's creeping up, getting close. Yes. So uh, Kelly, tell us and, and the listeners, what what do you do for a living? I am a banking center manager at First Horizon Bank. Um, I have been there for eight and a half years. It was a recent promotion. I was a personal banker, um, but then just got promoted into management. Super excited. About Congratulations. That. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm assuming that was the goal or you just kind of stumbled into that, that position? Uh, stumbled into banking, but being the manager there was the goal over the years. Um, and they've been good to me, so... Mm-hmm. I've been there that long. And what is the bank? What's the name of the oh, bank? Oh, First Horizon Bank. First Horizon. I think I missed that. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about how you stumbled into banking. Stumbled into banking. Um, I moved to Nashville uh, about 10, 11 years ago, and I was playing rugby on a women traveling team based in Nashville. Um, so I really couldn't do anything full-time. I was working in a restaurant part-time. Um, but then I was looking for something part-time-ish where I could have normal daytime hours, no weekends, those kind of things. And then they had a teller position open, and this was in 2014 at the bank. Um, so they just went in there to make a little bit more, get some hours in, but then have time to do my rugby training and travel on the weekends and all that good stuff. Um, and then after being there for about a year and a half, I was like, hey, this is nice. Time to go full-time and no more restaurants or anything. Um, and then still continued rugby until 20, I guess it would end of 2016, beginning of 2017 is when I stopped. Um, but then continue at the bank. Love it. Love it. So banking isn't something that you necessarily went to school for. No. Okay. No. So no prior degree or education in banking. You kind of no. started as a teller, worked your way all the way up to, to branch manager now. That's it. Love it. And there was a lot kind of going on in that story right there. So I want to kind of back it up a little bit more and unpack this. Yeah. Um, you moved here, you said about 10 years ago? 10 years ago. 
Where from? Florida. What part? South Florida. A lot of people don't know. I was born in Port St. Lucie, so that's super south, but not quite Miami. Um, but then grew up most of my um, middle school, high school, early college in Vero Beach, which is kind of near Melbourne, Orlando-ish area, if you're looking in that kind of ballpark. Okay. Cool. So when you were in school in Florida, talk to me about... I want to hear more about how you got into rugby because it's Mm -hmm. not a common sport that I feel like a lot of people know about um, unless you're in it. And then it's probably very, uh, you know, obvious to everybody that that is in it. But how did you stumble into rugby? Was that something that you did during school? Did they offer it there or was that something you kind of picked up recreationally? No, they offered it at my high school. Um, actually, our my high school, Sebastian River High School, was the first to have a varsity girls rugby team in the United States. So they wrote a whole book on it. You can Google it. Um, so super exciting. Wow. What's the name of the book? I don't know. Google it. Google it. You can tell it. me. For those of you that don't know. No, it was... I, I'm, including assume, Kelly. Yeah, I know. I assume it's the... Um, the Sharks, because we were the Sharks rugby varsity or girls, I don't know, Sebastian River varsity women girls rugby team. Yeah, so just question. Google Sebastian River varsity yeah. girls rugby team yeah. and it'll probably pop up. Yes. Okay, so you started in school because it's something that they offered there. Yes, but they didn't offer it until my junior year of high school. And um, we were sitting in class and all of a sudden they put on the TV and they're like, hey, everybody watch this video when you in high school, you know, you're so excited about watching any kind of thing that's not has to do with listening to a teacher. So Amen. put a big thing on a TV and I see these people just wrestling each other in the middle of the field. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Um, and then they said, hey, we're starting a girls rugby team. Uh, only girls, by the way, didn't do a, a guys rugby team. Wow, I think okay. now they, they do have it as well. But during that time, it was strictly girls. Um, so at the time, what was I doing? I was swimming and doing weightlifting okay. um, and then I said hey I want to do that and actually the coach of the rugby team was in our neighborhood so he was our neighbor and so he was trying to talk my parents into wow small world yes talk my parents into letting me do it and my mom they're just like she's gonna hurt her face and lose her <laughs> teeth <laughs> but uh ended up playing and uh loved it loved it all the way that's awesome and yeah. I think statistically if you were to look at the you know, everybody sees rugby as super aggressive, just brutal, and and it is in every way sense uh, of the of the word. But uh, actually, I think statistically, if you were to look across the numbers between rugby and football, there's actually fewer severe injuries in rugby because there's no pads. Yeah. Right. So you're probably there's for some are probably a little more timid towards actually hitting you as hard as they possibly can. Definitely. I can imagine that leading with the head is not something that's very common in rugby either. Um, So tell me about in terms of, let's talk a little bit more about rugby because I still think it's something that people don't quite understand. Um, How long is a, is a match in rugby? It is um, 80 minutes. Okay. So yeah, and it's separated. Minute yeah, mm-hmm. two forty-minute halves. Two okay. 40 minute halves. What's the uh, what's the intermission in between? Um, oh, good. They kind of change it a couple times, so it's usually about ten minutes. Okay. We'll say ten minutes. Okay, cool. And so that forty minutes, both halves, you're you're going the whole time. Yes. Sim- very similar to soccer. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Sorry, I didn't know if there's nope. something else you're going to say about nope. that. Okay. okay. Uh, how many people are typically on a rugby team? So during, there's two types. There is, it's called 15s or 7s. 7s is usually summer. And 7s okay. was in the Olympics. So if you watch the Olympics and you watch 7s, that means 7 people on the field um, on each team. So 14 people total. And then... Um, Sort of like following the football season in the fall, in the spring, there's 15. So it's actually 15 people on okay. the field per team. So 30 people total. Okay. And there's not like a like a skill level difference or a league difference between the two, right? It's just like one's more of like a summer league and the other ones. They're not like one's semi-pro and one's pro. No, no, because you can get professional on both. Um, but sevens were was the only one actually played in the olympics okay um, and sevens is a much faster and it's not 80 minutes um it's seven minute halves but then once you get down to like semifinals or more serious then it's 14 minute halves mm-hmm. um but it's much faster so usually you're gonna see whoever's faster play sevens and then very cool the slower people like me play 15 so <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> i don't know if i've ever seen you do anything slow no just um, kidding so in in the 15s, mm-hmm. and I don't know much, I know a little terminology about, about rugby, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's what's called uh, the scrum, yes. scrummage, yes. and then there is uh, backs that are yes. on the outside of that. Yes. So explain the, the scrummage to people. What are, what are the scrum? <laughs> okay, so the scrum, and there is a scrum in sevens. It's just less people. So it's like three people against okay. three people. Um, and in 15, so you have to bear with me. It's been a little bit. Let me think about how many people are in there. Maybe about six, three, four, five. Well, we'll say five and five. Um, and then you have your teammate that actually rolls the ball into everyone kind of locks up. It's kind of hard without using my hands or showing you pictures, but, um, both offense and defense kind of locks up and you roll the ball in between all the people and only one person on each side of the team can use their foot to kind of kick the ball back. That's what's happening there. Okay. One person can kick the ball back to the team to try to get it to, and it's just whoever has the faster foot to, um, and then if the ball rolls in your favor, but then get it out to, um, your teammate and the person on kind of the back of that scrum will then pass it out to then the line, which is the backs. So those are usually your fastest people. And the goal is to get that ball down the line to on the outside and have the outside run past um, the defense. The difference, the biggest difference between rugby and football is there's no blocking. So, and I think that's where you mentioned injury uh-huh. football. You have, five you know five people hitting five people at a time or or whatever Mm. and rugby the only the person carrying the ball can actually be hit so there's not as much contact Contact. in that in that sense um and then yeah you're just trying to run as fast as you can so what's the penalty if you do hit somebody that doesn't have the ball um i guess it, it depends it it depends it would either be like a line out or a penalty or they could um, make the offense have 10 yards or 15 yards forward progression, kind of like football or okay. something like that. Okay. Um, and, and back to kind of the scrummage part of this, I, I imagine this, the analogy that I kind of think of to help me understand this a little bit, a little bit better is similar to hockey, like a drop puck in hockey where yeah, yeah, yeah. Fr- basically, yes. yeah. So yes. they're trying to get the puck 
you know, to their people, to their people, basically on the outsides. And then, like you said, kind of take it down the outside yes, and, yes. and then eventually score the goal. So speaking of scoring, <laughs> how does that work in, in rugby as well? And I know there's still um, what I would refer to as probably a touchdown or mm-hmm. what's it's called a try. try. It's called okay. A try. A try. And, the, and it's worth five points, correct? Um, six points. Six points. Okay. Six points. Okay. So still the same roughly as a touchdown in football. Yes. How, how, what is the touchdown? How do you do um, that in rugby? So the try and no, you were, you were correct. It's five points. I was thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> no, it's five <laughs> points. You t- so you have to physically touch the ball down to the ground to get the point. So where in football, you just cross the playing field or whatever, and you get the points in rugby. You actually have to physically touch the ball inside the try zone or inside the, um, touchdown. And right. so that's five points. And then you automatically get a kick certain yards away from where your try was. Um, and then that's two points for the kick. Okay. Okay. So and then seven, still seven points kind of like football, but five. Right. Two. And then I'm assuming you just play till the end of the 80 minutes and the team with the most points at the end wins. Yes. There's no like certain number that you play to or anything mm-hmm. like that. Okay. No. Cool. Cool. Uh, relative to injuries in, in rugby, what is, have you experienced any injuries from rugby? I and was, I may know a little backstory yes. on this one, but tell the people. Yes. I was so good about not having anything serious, but I've had my fair share of black eyes and bloody noses for sure. Um, but it was actually the end of 2016. Um, we were playing in Birmingham and I was diving to score and you can hit somebody when they're going to score. So somebody was trying to tackle me while I was, um, diving and I just crushed my collarbone. I heard it crunch and I just laid there. Mm. Got the points though. That hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> Got the points for the team. But I sacrificing yes. body parts. Yes. But it was a it was a bad. I could not move my arm and I was just laying there and my teammates come up and they're like, Come on, Kelly and I'm like, No, I'm I'm hurt. I was like, for real that's this time. Me. <laughs> yes. So I actually could not finish playing because it was it was really bad. But um, I ended up having a teammate's parent drive me back from Birmingham to Nashville after that because I was like, I need to go to the hospital, emergency room, whatever. And I didn't want to do the out-of-state pay for that. So uh. I was like, I'm going back to Nashville. But luckily, you know, one of the teammates, they're fantastic. And he's actually a doctor, so that's fantastic. Um, but then when I came back, um, got to my wife Emily and she's like what is happening you know I was like no I'm hurt I gotta go to the hospital this would be my first time ever going to the hospital from rugby um we went to Vanderbilt and they did some x-rays and stuff and it was like a good inch between where the two bone pieces where they broke mm-hmm. so I ended up having a surgery because it wasn't going to get back together even with them setting it um so now I have six screws in a metal plate still yeah. in my collarbone Ugh. yeah and how is that from a recovery process, because I've, I know of people that have had that done and you being one of them and the recovery time. And I think it just depends on the severity of the injury itself. Was it, you know, a compound fracture? Was it, you know, whatever. Um, the surgeon has a big role in that as well. Um, once they do declare, you have to have surgery, have this done. It's usually like what? Six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, extensive recovery period for that so what was what did that end up looking like for you 
I played in a sevens summer tournament after that. So I broke in October. I didn't actually have surgery until November. Uh, then I did play in July. But I will say I was really timid. I was just nervous. I didn't want anyone to kind of like touch it. And I did wear like a little, you can wear a certain padding in rugby. It's, it has to be very little, basically like a compression with a small pad in it or something like right. that. So I did actually wear that to cover just because the skin over the collarbone is so thin that like you can see the nuts or the screws kind of sticking out of my skin right. there. So, um, but after that kind of tournament that I played in, I was just like, I just don't know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, arguably one of the toughest people I may have ever met, too, uh, which transfers very well to CrossFit and, and your mentality that we see in here. Um, when you got done with rugby, mm -hmm. when you were done playing, you played for Nashville, which was, is that semi-pro? So you it's a, a D2 women's traveling okay. team. Um, we did get really good. Uh, back in like 2015, um, but yeah, and a couple of the well, one at least one of the teammates did actually play in the Olympics. From, oh, very from cool! So there's potential there, but just shout out, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was the deciding factor? When did you decide to hang it up with rugby? I think after that sevens tournament, kind of once the collarbone thing kind of recover, went to the sevens, and I was just playing kind of shy, and I could feel it. Um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to hang it up yet, but I knew I had to. Then my wife and Emily and I moved out to Dixon and traveling to the team for practice. It was just way too far. It was going to be like an hour and 15, an hour or so mm -hmm. travel to and from practice. And I just wasn't committed that much at the point, at that point. Um, so I just said, okay, I'm going to get fat. <laughs> Uh, if if you haven't met Kelly yet, you know that is complete sarcasm because it's not the truth at all. Um, so you hung it up with rugby. You moved out to Dixon. Mm -hmm. You're working as a branch manager in Brentwood. Bellevue. Bellevue. Close. Bees. Uh, bees. I know. Uh, how did you find CrossFit Engage and what was your um, what was your initial step towards joining here? I knew I, want, I, knew, I knew I needed to do something. I was missing the competition from rugby and just kind of like that pain of the games. And um, I, I was like, I need to do something. And we had done a little bit of CrossFit in the pre, like preseason for rugby, and I always liked it. Um, and I had no idea that we had a CrossFit out in Dixon. So I kind of was Googling just gyms around and I was looking for CrossFit and I was even looking for some in Nashville that are by my work because I was like hey I could do that um, then I found CrossFit Engage here in Dixon and sent the owner Colton an email <laughs> and said hey well, I kind of want to test it out and see what's up and so after I found it I think it was that next week um, I came to a 4 p.m. class. It was 4 p.m. And I sat in the parking lot for like 15 minutes. I was like, I don't think I'm going to go inside. I'm just going to sit out here. <laughs> the nerves got you. Yes. But then I walked in. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Good. And it was great. And that was probably the hardest part of the whole process. And once you came in the door, I don't think we hadn't really been able to get rid of her since. So <laughs> no, kinda, I keep showing up. Kind of hung around. It was weird. Um, talk to me about. As you became a little bit more familiar with CrossFit, once you had gotten started here, 
how and at what point did you feel like, okay, this is kind of where I need to be. This is, this is everything that I was missing from rugby mm-hmm. minus playing the actual sport mm-hmm. from the competitive nature to the training side of CrossFit and just the daily grind of being in here in the classes, working hard towards a new goal and improving on all these different areas. Yeah. What was kind of your aha moment that this is okay. This is, this is where I need to be. Honestly, it was, it was pretty quick just because I, I like, physical activities and I like the drive and I like um the, like the family here but when I first started so let's say the first few weeks it was, I was still the new kid so just trying to get to know everybody and trying to figure out what the movements are and um going home and being sore and then coming back um kind of right back to the training days in right, rugby huh yes yes um but really when I first started, I was kind of coming to the evening classes for about the first month, I would say. And then um, scheduling kind of tweaked a little bit at work. And then for my wife, Emily, too, we were getting up really early. And I was like, hey, I think I can go to the 6 a.m. and get this done before work so then I'm not skipping it because I had a hard day or it's late or something like that. Um, but then I was consecutively coming 6 a.m., five days a week for months after that. Um, and that was just part of my day. And it just made made me feel better in the mornings, made my day go better. Um, and it just became part of my life. So it was pretty quick when, when I was just like, let's do it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's, uh, oftentimes we hear from people and we get a lot of, uh, former athletes on any level, collegiate level, even at the high school level, some semi pro, um, that once they're done with sport, like they're, they're missing that routine. They're missing that day-to-day training, the the grind, if you will, the constant need for improvement um, that also simultaneously helps the longevity of, of your lifespan, you know? Um, and this is very quickly do they find that this is their outlet. Mm-hmm. And this is where they kind of get back in the game, if you will, right. and they have that feeling of training again and a part of a team and a part of a community that's that's like-minded and supportive of them. Um, and we tell people all the time, even like you don't have to be a former athlete to, to go here. Like that's not uh, something that we push on anybody. But if you are and or if you're just looking for a way to, you know, find that competitive edge again we can take you as high as you want to go um so we have a lot of community events and local competitions and things like that that if someone's interested in they're you know we're more than happy to push them towards that the local comps are something that you've done quite a bit already at this point being four years in how much fun has that been for you to train for and to compete at the local competitions and it and it sounds kind of like a high stress moment but it's really not it's just a chance to kind of get out there and compete again yeah yes completely different than rugby you're not getting hit and breaking collarbones and stuff like that but um how have you enjoyed those local comps being the former athlete and that opportunity to kind of compete again yeah um so i actually did my first comp I wasn't even a year in to um, attending CrossFit Engage. Um, And I did a solo, so just by myself, two days, four workouts, and then three workouts, four workouts Saturday, three workouts on Sunday. Um, And I 
I li- I liked it, but I was kind of I, I was kind of um let me think about this. It was more fun when I've done the teams. We'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. So um, I enjoyed it, and I think for that for that being my first one, being able to kind of get out there and find my legs, so to speak, um, it was great. And we had a few other athletes doing it at the same time, so I really got to connect with everyone. Um, but I would say it was the second one after that, the teams won. Well, did one with you after that, and yeah. then teams. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, but it, after, once you're done, so during the comp, you know, it, we're on a, a, it's a local comp, so it's nothing similar to the games at all. But when you're done, you just feel so good that you did it. You're just, you're so proud of yourself. Even if you didn't do what you hoped or the PRs or winning or whatever, you're just so happy that you, you did it. Um, and that satisfied my need to compete in rugby. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the teams are a lot more fun. Um, We talk a lot about, like, the local comps. Again, I don't ever think that anybody goes out there with the intention of losing. I don't think it's ever fun to lose, you know, a competition or whatever. However, it is very, very important that there's this understanding that it's still a local comp. No matter who wins it and no matter who loses it, both individuals or teams are going to have to wake up on Monday and go back to work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That local competition very likely is not paying the bills for that individual, right, or mm-hmm. team. So it's it's something that you can go and you can compete in in a very low-stress environment mm-hmm. at a very high-stress uh, level of, of actual performance on the floor. Right. Um, and it does satisfy that need to compete again for those former athletes. And it is, um, it does kind of give your, your training and your purpose, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it allows you to see areas that, oh, Hey, now I see why that was so important. Or now I know that this is kind of a weakness of mine and it's something to work on. And again, as former athletes, that's very important that you have those, those, uh, performance markers, to try to improve Mm -hmm. because that's really kind of the whole goal of like when you were competing in rugby is like there was something you were trying to get better at to better support the team, be a better player on the team to eventually win, you know, with the team. And without that constant need of improvement, we're not getting any better, you know? And so there, there's that element to being a part of something like this as well as a former athlete, if, you're interested in competing at all. And again, it's not something that we push anybody to do, but it's certainly available. Yes. Yes. And also when you're in your, your own box here, um, you kind of see where everyone ranks and what strengths and you, but you just don't know what, how you are versus different people. So when you're at a comp, these are complete strangers that you get to see, well, Hey, I actually did really good at that. And I wasn't sure if I was going to, or, or something like that. So yeah, it can either be very eye opening or very humbling. One or the other. I've had both. (laughs) I've had both as well. (laughs) Definitely had both. Um, All right, so just a few last questions for you here before we kind of have to wrap this thing up. But number one, uh, do you remember, if at all, I always like to try and find out if people remember what their first CrossFit workout was. Yes, I do. 
So it was actually only two other people in the class, and one of them was Marcus, okay. my man. <laughs> Shout and, out, Marcus. <laughs> and, He's still hanging around, too. Yeah, we can't is. get rid of him either. I know. Um, and then there was someone else that I – I don't even think she's here anymore, but it was toast to bar, which I couldn't do. And I didn't even know what those was or wh- what those were. So I was doing hanging knee raises. I want to say it was burpee burpees. Hang and on. So I want to back. You mean yeah. that you, the former rugby player had to modify a movement in sure CrossFit? Did. Is that, sure is that a thing anymore? for a while? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then it was double unders. Didn't know what a double under was, by the way. I was like, oh, two times below my feet? Are you crazy? No. I'm going to do singles. Here we go. I'm doing good enough to get the rope underneath my feet once. Yes. And that was it. It was. I know it was burpees because they were tough. And I remember the jump rope because I didn't know what double unders were. And I didn't have a jump rope. But we did, you know, we did here at the gym. So. And yeah. now I can even vouch for Kelly that she is probably, arguably, one of the most proficient uh, jump ropers that we have here in the gym. And also – uh, something else that some of our community might know about, but you're probably one of the leaders in getting people to sign up for the 10,000 jump rope yes. or double under challenge. Yes. If I'm doing it, you're doing it. <laughs> <with me. laughs> uh, you've, you've successfully, you've done that how many years in a row now? Three years. Three years in a row. So the challenge row. is 10,000 double unders mm-hmm. in a month, in 30 days. 30 days. And That's 333 a day. 333 mm-hmm. double unders every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Um, and you've successfully gotten a lot of people to do that. But yes. I think throughout the course of you doing that, yes. you've noticed drastic improvements in the rhythm and the timing of your double unders. Oh, for sure. And when you're used to doing 333 every single day, when you approach a workout now and it says like 30 double unders or 50 like, double yes. unders per round of, of whatever, make mm-hmm. up the workout, it doesn't feel like a lot it doesn't seem like a big number and so your efficiency within that gets a lot better as well yes my the very first year I was barely getting like sets of 15 I was trying for 15 and trying to get 20s and I remember the that was the first time I ever did 50 in a row and I was pumped I mean (laughs) pumped about it uh but then the second year I was getting um 75 75s and then I think I think I might have hit 100 on that one because then I ended up getting a comp with 100 and I was really yeah, excited. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Um, all right, so if there was any one piece of coaching advice that's ever been given to you by one of our coaches that you feel uh, attributes to the success that you've seen inside of the box now, what was that coaching advice and who gave it to you? Oh, that's a good one. And honestly, I don't think I'm going to have an answer for you. Okay. What's something that you feel like you have learned – that you feel like has attributed to the success that you've seen? Even if it wasn't one single piece of advice, what's something that's like a lesson that you learned? It could have been the easy way. It could have been the hard way. Yeah. But something that you've learned that you feel like allows you to continue coming in the door every single day and, and continuing to see progress. Yeah. Um, I think just showing up. And that's, it's pretty simple. But sometimes I just I don't feel like being here or I don't feel like waking up or I hate the workout. I hate those wall balls. But um, just get in and do it. Even if you know that you're not going to give 100 that day, your body's still going to be better because you at least showed up. Yeah. I, I, I could not reiterate that enough because that's almost become our motto yeah. uh, really over the years is like literally if you show up, and you walk through the door and you're coachable and you listen and you do what the coach tells you and you give us your best effort for that day, 
Right. Doesn't mean your best effort of all time, but you give right. us what you've got for that day. You're going to continue to see progress and results. Yeah. And and I I do think that's the the keys of the kingdom, if you will. Yeah, I think sure. I think that's how you're going to continue to uh, be you know, in this game for a very long time and to continue to see progress and not plateau off. Right. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So what is one thing that you want to achieve in the next six months? And this does not have to be fitness related. Oh, anything. What do you want to see happen in the next six months? Um, well, I'm working on getting my L1. Yeah, you are. To start coaching here. Officially signed up. Officially as of today signed up. Paid for that the L1. Chunk change. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to pay huge dividends oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. Huge dividends. There is nothing I tell people all the time. There is no greater reward than having impact on another person's life, improving their quality of life yeah. and improving the longevity of their life and watching them have those aha moments and reaching the goals that they didn't think that they could reach. Right. There is no greater reward than that. Yeah. No, in I'm my super opinion. Excited. And now you're going to get to share that with us as well uh last question if there was one single piece of advice that you can leave for our listeners to help them with their fitness journey okay what would that advice be what would you tell anybody to help them with their fitness journey anyone can do it you don't have to be an ex-athlete you don't have to be an athlete you don't have to be a runner anyone can do it I love it. I love it. Yeah. Just, just show up and try, right? Yes. That's it. Love it. Awesome. Kelly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I think we got to wrap this thing up. So until next time. All right.